accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. It is time for another powerful episode of Make It Count. As always, many are called, fewer chosen, and that is why we are making the whole of the global accounting industry sit up and listen. And today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome here to the Make It Count studio, Hayley Wren, Director at Accountable. Hayley, welcome. I am so excited about this podcast. It is great to have you here on Make It Count. Uh, I am blown away and honoured to even be able to be here and share my story. It's going to be a great story, a great episode. We were saying just before we hit record that we could describe you as the goddess of the accounting industry. And in the next 40 odd minutes, we are going to show the world how things could be done differently. And I'm sure we're we're going to have a great time. But Hayley, for anyone that hasn't heard about yourself or your business, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I started Accountable Nine years ago, after a period of working with Inland Revenue and uh, collecting tax debt, and then I jumped ship and went to work for the official SNE doing bankruptcies and company liquidations. So in my previous jobs, I did not make friends easily, but I left that world and now I use my power for good rather than evil. (laughs) I actually left that world, been in that corporate, very stressful environment and ended up suffering a cardiac arrest. So 37 years of age, I dropped dead in front of my children, not my finest parenting moment. And so it made me realise that things needed to change. And Mm. all of those people that I dealt with in my role at Inland Revenue and at the official SNE, genuine, really great people just made a mistake. They didn't have the support. They had no idea what they were doing. And so that's why Accountable was created. We now actually fight for the little guy. We educate them and we protect them so that they don't end up becoming clients of the debt collector or the official SNA. Wow, I love the way that we uh, we went deep very early on in the podcast there. And, and, and thank you for your openness, Hayley, about said that instant with with the cardiac arrest. And if you're okay to do so, um, to, to explore that a bit more. Um, so what was life like in, in the build-up to that literally, that life-changing moment? And then what? how did it all pan out when it happened? It wasn't a fun environment. I was working in an environment like Inland Revenue. Absolutely loved it. We were collecting tax. I was asked almost daily how I sleep at night and how how I could be such a horrible person like it was. Mm. But the team and the culture with the people that I worked with, it was absolutely amazing. And going to work at Inland Revenue was fantastic. Mm. Could not say the same thing about the culture and the environment at the the official SNE. So that was actually part of the reason why I left. 
at the same time, we also had a lot of personal stuff going on with my youngest child being diagnosed Asperger's. Mm. There was a lot going on in my world, lots of stress. And yeah, that's effectively what took me out. Mm. Luckily, on the day, the speech therapist had actually gone in to see my son at school to part of the assessment for the diagnosis and noticed he had school sores. I'd never seen them, had no clue. Mm. And so the hospital actually rang and said, Alex has got school sores, you need to go to the doctor, get some antibiotics. We went to the doctors, we sat there for an hour and a half. I um, explained to them what a magical holiday we just had. It was absolutely epic. I created this family holiday where we were away for two weeks and it was for creating family memories trip. Mm. And so we did all these photos And as I was about to walk out, I just paid for the antibiotics, put my credit card in my wallet, picked up the package, said, thank you very much, and my heart stopped. Wow. And I was on the ground. So for everyone around me, that was quite traumatic. Mm. And did you have any any warning, any inkling that anything like this was about to happen? Or was it just like switching a light switch? And I think that's the thing is everyone thinks that a cardiac arrest is a heart attack. Mm. They are two very different things. A heart attack is plumbing. So something is blocked, you know, if you're living in your house and you've got a blocked toilet, it's a bit uncomfortable, but things keep working, Mm. take out the electrics and everything is actually gone. So a heart attack is plumbing related, cardiac arrest is electrical. And when that goes out, the whole thing's gone. And it must have been, I guess, scary for you and uh, especially for everyone around as well. Yeah, I think I was in a coma for three days, so I had no idea. Mm. (laughs) You know, you work through these things and I actually look at people now who have had a serious medical incident and you appreciate things so much better than those that have had perfect health. Mm. Um, And I think that's where I know if I don't manage my stress levels well, then I'm going to end up with major heart issues. Definitely. And I see it in my clients all the time. Just in terms of processing. And the reason I I process it as well is because I, I... I did have an incident on my uh, on my client site a few years ago now where my client in front of me had a cardiac arrest. So I was the other person. Um, so we've seen things from both sides, at least between us. And it is a traumatic incident. And I also know that sometimes in those situations, the individual's odds of, of making a full recovery aren't great as well. So it's the fact that you've come past that and surpassed that, which is such a powerful story. And I think that's exactly it and a really good reason why we should all learn CPR. So I think they just started recording stats in the year 2014 when I had my cardiac arrest. Mm. In nine months, there was 2,836 cardiac arrests in nine months. Wow. Out of that, 7% make it to hospital mm. and, and actually get to go home. 3% actually come out with no brain damage. Mm. So... The more that people have learned CPR, the more that we're able to know what to do in these processes, those numbers are actually improving. And I think we're now sitting around about 14, 15% are now making it to hospital and coming home. Mm. So if anyone takes anything out of this, it's CPR is actually really critical because you know yourself when you put in that position, if you know what you're doing, you handle things much better. It is a terrifying situation because I had to do the CPR and you put the defibrillator on and everything, and it you kind of it's it's a very a very strange experience because you kind of think I just remember thinking it's not like the show on TV. 
that's always the uh, the element but but i think you're right it's such a powerful reminder to appreciate it's something we all say isn't it appreciate the the important things in life and you never know what's around the corner but but this is, is a powerful reminder that it's true and i have to ask hayley you mentioned your clients what goes through your mind when you either see clients who are putting themselves in that stressful situation or they're really getting highly wound up, highly stressed about stuff that really isn't much of a big deal. It's easy to say it's not that much of a big deal, but in your own mind, mm. this is life-threatening. Like this is actually the biggest thing that these clients have ever had to deal with. So it's actually around pointing out to them that maybe this is not actually as bad as what they think it is. Mm. You know, it's about let's create a plan. Like, can we actually do this step by step? And so rather than actually focus on the great big huge elephant in the room, that they're willing to do whatever it is to not have to deal with it, actually break it down step by step. And I always use the <laughs> my background is if we don't deal with this, then who's going to be impacted? Mm. And it's normally the family that are actually going to be left behind having to clean up the mess because we haven't taken care of the person who's most important. And I think that is such a, an important reminder because I think we all sometimes fall into the trap of thinking it's just a business, it's just numbers on a spreadsheet, or even you know, it's just money, it's only money. But the power of all accountants to literally change lives, transform lives, save lives is absolutely there in every person that you work with, in every businesses that you help. You, you literally can have that power to make their life totally different and hopefully different for the better as well. And I think it's that whole, you know, the first sale is to yourself. Mm. I see so many accountants that are actually trying to make the world all rainbows and flowers for their clients, but at the same time, their life is actually in tatters because they're having to work 60, 70 hours a week. So why should our clients actually follow our advice if we're not prepared to do it ourselves? This is one of my favourite phrases in terms of we all want to be trusted advisors. Everyone says, how can I be a trusted advisor? How can I get the client to respect me more? I say, well, first, you've got to trust yourself and you've got to respect yourself. The world is not as it is. The world is as you are. If you're looking for more trust, more respect, then that has to begin with, with ourselves. And, and that was going to be my, my next question, Hayley. We all talk about the, the time freedom and the mind freedom in terms of, of, of speaking to clients. In the examples, everyone in the accounting industry that, that you come across, do you think accountants are at risk or are suffering from the stress of their jobs, from burnouts, from potential health issues? Without a doubt, because we go into business as accountants to actually make a difference. Mm. You know, We either love numbers and just want to be able to look at numbers on a piece of paper all day. Chances are, if all you're doing is wanting to actually add two plus two, you're probably not one of these people that are going to try and make a difference. Mm. So then we go into business, we actually, you get sucked in. Like as an accountant, you become a marriage counsellor. You actually get told all of this sort of stuff. You're having to manage, you know, a hundred clients' thoughts and feelings and you want to do what's best for everyone. And next thing you know, you realise you haven't had a holiday for six months and you probably haven't had a date with your partner for probably three years. Mm. And you've never been to a school parent-teach interview. You know, it's it happens so quickly and without you even being aware of it. And I have to ask, I, I accept this may be an impossible question to ask or answer, but I'd just love to get your your personal views. Do you think this is especially prevalent in the accounting industry? And if so, why? Because this is always a question that I ask myself as well. Why 
why do accountants so often get themselves in this position? Is it something about our background? Is it our mental makeup that we like to go the extra mile? It's always something that I'm I'm kicking around my mind. I'd, I'd love to know if you had a view on it. And I think, you know, across the board, there are accountants that are really good at setting boundaries and just go, yep, nah, sorry, I've clocked off, it's five to four, ring me on Tuesday when I bother to come back to work, you know. Mm. There are those accountants that can set really good boundaries. Then there are those accountants that possibly think with their heart, probably more so than their head. They don't understand the value that they actually bring to clients. I would probably say those ones that think with their heart probably price with their heart as well. So they don't Mm. want to charge too much for their time. And then there are those that really, really love what they do and don't see their job as a job Mm. because they love it so much. And it's that whole thing, like if you absolutely loved eating ice cream and you could eat ice cream forever in a day, you probably wouldn't stop. Mm. So that's where it's around putting in boundaries and actually understanding, yeah, you may love what you do, but it's got to be a healthy amount. Otherwise, we all know what happens if you eat too much ice cream. Ironically, when uh, when it starts to damage our heart and our health and everything else, and then we have the, uh, the, the knock-on effect as well, which is, yeah, definitely not a, a sweet outcome. Correct. And I have to, to ask as well, Hayley, when... Was this always your path? Did you always want to go down this path in life? No way. No? Was there, was there a different approach? boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never, ever set out to actually become an accountant. Mm. I actually used to be in business with my husband for quite a few years. As the wife, you know, I just got sucked in to start doing the admin, that type of stuff, many mm. years ago. And he absolutely hated being in business. And so he ended up getting headhunted for a job. So off he went. And I actually really enjoyed being self-employed, but throughout all of our travels, you know, with the business, we'd go to business coaches, we'd spend thousands of dollars on accountants. No one ever told us blonde terms exactly what we were meant to be doing. Like Mm. you would say, how do I price my products? Oh, well, it looks like you're doing good enough. You know, your numbers are da-da-da-da-da, so just keep doing what you're doing. Mm didn't fill me with confidence. (laughs) So that started driving me down the education road. And that's when I started learning Mm. and doing the qualifications. And then I completed my accounting one and I went on and did HR and management Mm. because I was really interested in the way people think and how to get the best out of people. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I did that degree. And funnily enough, here I am (laughs) doing the work that I'm doing now. It's was not intentional. Sometimes life has a funny way of working like that, though, doesn't it? It always goes uh, in many different directions, both good and bad, not how we intended. But um, life happens for us, not to us sometimes. Correct. And I have to say, I mean, not to dwell on the cardiac arrest, but from a career point of view, because again, I say it with myself, when I was involved in that situation, it, it wasn't even me having the arrest, but it made me, as we all say, look at my life, look at my choices, look at my direction, think, if something happened tomorrow, if, if life ended tomorrow, would I be happy with how things are? And my answer was no. And as an outcome of this situation, did you find yourself making changes in terms of your business, your career, your outlook at all? For the first three years after my initial cardiac arrest, I was quite good mm. and didn't have any issues. And I, and I managed to learn to trust my body again to stay alive, mm. which sounds really ridic- ridiculous, but that's pretty much the way it is. I then ended up getting voted onto a national body, which possibly wasn't a good place for me to be. And every two months before that face-to-face meeting, my heart would stop. 
And so it stopped once in the July, then it stopped twice in September, it stopped three times in November. Is it literally and stopped or like it literally stopped? Yeah. Arrest? So I have a ICD, so internal cardio defibrillator. Mm-hmm. So I will drop dead and I've done it in client meetings. So all of my clients know about my heart Mm. where I will just collapse. I don't breathe. 16 seconds later, my little computer that I have in my chest goes, holy shit, we've got a problem here. Mm. It reboots my heart. I wake back up and we carry on like nothing happened. Um, Wow. Still a bit of pain in the ass though. (laughs) That's what I call a breakout session. Bloody hell. I think uh, uh, that will certainly spice up a meeting. Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) Highly embarrassing when you wake up and your clients are looking at you terrified, though. (laughs) Just saying, it's not a fun thing to do. No. So that made me actually realise that I needed to make some fairly significant changes. Mm. Um, It also enabled me because I could be fine one minute and sitting in hospital the next because the doctors worry when stuff like that happens. Mm. So all my systems are in the cloud. I can just pick up my laptop, work from wherever I am. The beauty of that was when COVID hit, there were no issues for me whatsoever because I was actually already working that way with everything in the cloud because mm. of my heart issues. But I do. I think I tend to navigate to those clients that really could benefit from some arms being wrapped around them because I know what that spiral feels like. I know how you're getting further and further down. Stress levels come up. You're not sleeping well at night time. I know what that feels like. So now I actually want to work with clients that I can positively impact them to get them out of that spiral. And that brings us to a wonderful point of, of the present day and, and your business. And so would it be right in saying that you specialize, you talked at the start about kind of fighting for the little guy and, and helping clients that are in that spiral. And, and is that what you're doing then in your practice on a daily basis now? Yeah, so we... We're a bit of a weird and wonderful, really. We take clients no other other accountant would. So a lot of our clients are struggling financially. Mm. A lot of them are struggling with successful businesses but don't know how to run them. So it's a bit of a mixture, but they're all pretty much quite significantly stressed. Mm. (laughs) But I think that's what makes the beauty of what we do so rewarding because we can take these guys in with no idea what they're doing. And as we all know, as accountants, teach a man how to fish. He can fish for a day, uh, you know, fish for a a lifetime. Mm. That's what we're effectively doing. We're not picking it up and fixing it for them. We're actually teaching them where things went wrong and how to fix it themselves. Mm. And so they're very needy, I would say. And we do spend a lot of work up front, but after a period of time, they don't need us as much and we just sort of sit in the background keeping an eye on things and they never leave. Incredibly loyal clients that we've created. And there's many different avenues that, that I want to go down here, but just as you said that, that that final part about the loyal clients, for want of a better phrase, many firms will call them, like you say, the, the, the nightmare clients or the unwanted clients. Are these clients self-aware that they are kind of like nightmare, slight pain in the backside clients? Or or are they just totally unaware and just think, well, this is it. We just run a business. We've got an accountant. They've they've literally got no idea. Mm. Um, And generally, they're so stressed out, they're clutching at straws, just trying to get anyone to listen to them. And as you could probably imagine, when no one is listening to you, you just get louder and louder and get more and more demanding because – that's what you need and no one's listening. And so these guys come in incredibly loud, incredibly demanding, 
because no one's actually ever actually listened to them or answered their questions in a way that they couldn't actually understand it. Like they've always been spoken in, in accountantese, so to speak. Mm. Don't know what that means. It's, so you put it in flan terms and they're happy as Larry. I think it's a great point. One of my my client courses I delivered around this and we like to sometimes put clients in a certain light. I think you know, we could say, yeah, I call them the nightmare client. I, I call them stone clients. They're basically the clients that we kind of, no one really wants, as you say. But we overlook, I believe, that a lot of the client behaviours, as you say, the loudness, the demandingness, the rudeness, the shouting, all of that comes from a place of fear. And, and in many cases, clients are, are terrified and Money is an emotive subject. Having someone that maybe you don't know shining a spotlight on your spending, all these things, as you say, talkier languages that you don't really understand, all these things can be hugely terrifying for someone who may not be financially illiterate or business savvy or however you want to say it. And we, I think sometimes we forget that many times if clients are being a, a quote unquote nightmare, it is because they're scared. And, and accountants generally do very little to allay those fears. But uh, as you say, if if you're willing to listen and be empathetic and, and adapt your approach, it sounds like it can really be a game changer for them. And I think that's, you know, we've just had a case study done for one of our clients. And when we picked them up, they were referred to us by one of our other clients. Mm. But they'd had a meeting with their accountant and their lawyer, and it was agreed that this company was going to be liquidated. Mm. So when they were referred through to me, the decision had already been made. We were going to go into liquidation. The accountant was organising it all. We picked them up. We pretty much took full control and, you know, got zero everything up and running. We got all the understanding of where we were at. She was pretty much leaving him. She'd already had a real estate agent come around. She was going to put the house on the market. She was leaving. The marriage was over. And so we stepped in and she wasn't allowed to do anything until we'd actually had a chance to review the situation. They then got, and this was in the November, and then they got the $20 budget at Christmas time to actually go and buy a Christmas present for each other. Mm. And they had to report back to me what it was that they bought. And so this was the little things that we actually put in place. We went through, we helped them restructure the business because they had they were way overstaffed. Their debtors were actually treating them quite poorly in the sense that we're only going to pay you $2,000 this month and, and we might give you some more money the next month type thing. Mm. So we stepped in and actually stopped that sort of behaviour as well. Long story short, in 18 months, we took this company that was liquidation material, seriously in trouble, $150,000 worth of tax debt, plus massive debt everywhere else, to within 18 months, very, very solid marriage. They are constantly on holiday. So I think at the end of this month, they're off to Bathurst and he's got a corporate box in Bathurst. Nice. The overdraft is all gone. The tax debt is all gone. And they're actually now, that business is now valued at nearly a million dollars. Wow. So in 18 months, that's what we're able to do. Fix a marriage, fix the business and give the clients a lifestyle that they've actually always wanted. That is so powerful. I love that. And I think also it it brings a real life lens to that whole concept of advisory, because I think sometimes as accountants, we think, well, you know, compliance is compliance and advisory. It's it's just some business coaching or it's just some cash flow forecast. It's just some of the. And as you say, again, it is literally rescuing marriages, changing lives, creating potentially generational wealth. It literally is life changing. 
We should get like the uh, the accounting advisory version of a swear jar or something. Whenever someone says oh, it's just accounting, it's just compliance, it's just advisory. So accountants forget how great they are and what an amazing impact they could have. And, and that amazing story just highlights it. And I think the reality there is, you know, we did a lot of work with them. So they paid us really well. We were the first people that always got paid. Mm. I hear accountants say all the time, oh, you must have a really bad debts, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> but we always get paid because our clients value us and they know they can't do it without us. So we got paid. I said to them about a year later, you don't need that level of service anymore. Let's actually renegotiate. They went, no, we're going to pay you the exact same amount because we're not even going to, we're not prepared to change a thing. Mm. So I'm still getting paid. <laughs> to do that level of work, and we don't need to anymore. So there is a certain loyalty in those clients where you've actually made a huge difference. Mm. And I think as accountants, we tend to forget that we're not just building our own business, we're building our clients and we're building our networks. And if we can't do that for clients, then we've got too many. And we probably should let some of those other clients go that we're not interested in working with and let someone else have a go with those ones. And you focus on the ones that you really do click with. Definitely. And I think it is around that whole, I was going to say holistic, that doesn't do it justice, but a very pragmatic, all-encompassing approach to changing a client's business. And I have to ask from a, yeah, maybe a slight logistical point of view, when you get into that level of involvement with a couple, with a client, with their business, does anything go through your head about, budgeting, write-offs, whip, anything like that? Are you thinking like, oh, crikey, what's our hourly rate going to be on this? Because it feels like something, if you're going to go that deep and have that much of a powerful impact, it's difficult to say, well, that's going to be 46 minutes per week of my time and, and so on. How, how do those two things equate? And I think that's where, you know, the work that we do comes with a premium price tag. Mm. There are not many accountants, and it's sad that when I say that, there's not many accountants that actually go to the extreme that we do, and there is honestly a need for it. But I'm not writing off any way, shape, or form with those bigger jobs. Mm. They're a lot more satisfying, and it is really good cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best result. It's having a really powerful impact, literally changing lives and being rewarded appropriately for your amazing level of expertise. And I love the way that you just said that with confidence. It's a premium price tag. So many accountants struggle with that. And as you say, for, for the reasons that we said earlier on about uh, about the heart versus the head and, and boundaries and so on. But just just by owning it and saying, hell yes, that this is what we do. We do deliver great results and that's why it's a premium. It's coming from so much more of a position of power than um, the position of weakness. And I think I'm going to be completely honest. I wasn't always like this. I was always the one that went, oh, gee, am I really worth this much money? Mm. Like I was always that type of person until I actually realised the difference that I actually make in clients' lives. If I was just doing normal compliance, ticking boxes and, and doing data entry, mm. there is not that much of a change you can make doing that work. It's when you actually get out of that type of work and start getting into the really cool, nitty-gritty and life-changing stuff, that's when you actually can honestly say, I am worth this much money. Definitely. And I, I mean, I'm in zero doubt that you're worth all of it and more as well. And Hayley, I have to ask, you mentioned about letting clients go just now. 
Is that something that you do on a regular basis? If so, how do you go about it? Because again, I know so many accounting firms are like, oh, we just need to cut our clients or, uh, or you know, we've got this one that's a nightmare, but they're such a, a long established client and everything. How, how do you manage that whole process? It's a thing that I do routinely every year now. Okay. And if I, you know how you get those clients and you go, oh my God, I'm going to have a meeting with with Jim Bob today. This is going to be so cool. I'm really mm. looking forward to it. I mean, it's sad that we do think that, but, <laughs> and then you, you, you know, I've got a meeting with Sarah Smith. Oh my God, how can I get out of this? Could someone else actually do this for me? Mm. Those clients that are not floating my boat, I'm not going to do what's right by them. Mm. So why should I hang on to those clients that I'm not going to do the best by them just because they pay a good fee and they've been there forever? It's not going to make me enjoy my job and it's not going to help them grow their business. Definitely not. And it's one thing I always say that clients are out there in abundance. Clients with lots of problems are there in abundance. Clients with lots of problems and the ability to pay are are out there in abundance. What is not in abundance is powerful, talented accountants who can really make a difference. And to say that you and all accountants have the power. If a client isn't floating your boat, then they can go. I heard a wonderful phrase a while ago saying, um, we can certainly relate it to accounting clients. If you wake up more than three mornings in a row thinking about someone in a negative way and, and you're not married to them, then, then that means they need to exit your life. And it's a good rule because we, we've all had those clients where you wake up and as you say, you go, oh, it's them. Or they send an email and it's playing on your mind. And we, we let clients occupy space in our heads who do not deserve our time, thought or attention. So and again, certainly, as we say around never knowing what's around the corner, it's extra important to say, well, what, how am I going to spend my time? Because that is the one, the one precious resource that we do have. And I think the one thing that I see coming from a lot of accountants is, oh, I don't want to disappoint my client. Like they're not going to like it if I actually do dump them like, oh, poor client. But actually, how could your client benefit by not actually being with you? They may actually finally find someone that really clicks with them Mm. and their business goes from, you know, we picked up one client a few years ago that being with this accountant for years and years and years. Their profit in the first year we got them was 700,000. Mm. Uh, sorry, 7,000. Wow. Three years later, they're now sitting at 350 to 400,000. Amazing. They possibly should have been invited to leave a lot earlier because that accountant didn't have the time to invest in them. Mm. So by hanging on to clients that you're not loving, you're actually holding them back. Definitely. It's kind of like a different uh, turn of the phrase, if you love something, let it go. But but I, I definitely say, again, if you don't love something, let it go even faster. But um, one thing I do believe is that is that love isn't lies. And we talk about loving what we do and loving our clients and everything else. So so why, why lie to our clients? Why lie to ourselves? That whole kind of, in many ways, it is very similar to uh, it's personal relationships. We find ourselves saying things like, oh, they're, they're going to change. It'll be different next year. They're just a bit stressed at the moment. All these things make it excuses, but our our lives are a result of what we are prepared to tolerate. And and this is all about how we can tolerate or not tolerate in this case, uh, clients that, that don't serve us. 
sometimes it can actually be a cash flow thing. Mm. Like we don't want to let this client go. And and I've done it a few times in my practice where I've had a big fee mm. and then I've sat there and gone, okay, I really don't like working with you. But if I actually go in, especially in my early days when I was in practice, if I let you go, then that means that, you know, half of my monthly turnover has just disappeared. Mm. How am I going to pay my staff when I've just lost so much money? Mm. Each time I've done it, it has been a horrible process to go through and I stressed and worried for about three hours. But that afternoon, I'd replaced that work multiple times. And so it was sort of a case of I had to actually clear some space for me to take on some really cool work. Mm. It's a horrible thing to actually make that gamble. But in this industry, the you, the world is your oyster. You can do what you like, really. And I, I totally agree. It's, it, if you're saying yes to something, then what are you saying no to? And if you're saying yes to a client who you don't really want to work with, and again, I've been there as well, and you, it's almost coming from a position of fear. It's like, I don't want to do this, but I'm I'm having to say yes because I, I'm fearful of, of what will happen if you leave, if, if I don't have the money. But life has that funny way. If, if Once you make the bold decision, once you do the brave yet uncomfortable thing, and remove that energy drain from your life, then all these new things, new clients, new opportunities, all all start to come in. So is it safe to say that um, if any accountant is potentially struggling with that dilemma, this whole like, oh, don't want to work with this client, but they're a big client and we're getting their revenue and everything, would you say that if it doesn't feel right, then then you have to move on from it? I think it's it's one of those things like, are you an accountant because you get paid to crunch numbers and file tax returns? Or are you an accountant that actually wants to make a difference and really impact? Because it's not just if you impact on that one business owner, then that means the impact flows on to those employees. It then flows on to the employee's families. Like it is actually life-changing for so many people. But mm. If you don't want to do that work, keep doing the work you don't want to do. <laughs> Very true, definitely. And in terms of, of life carrying on, as, as you mentioned, Haley, what what does the future look like for you? And the future of your business, how do you think uh, accountants are going to fit in this, this emerging new world that we find ourselves in now? To be honest, I'm actually quite scared. We've got all our marketing set ready to mm. go at the moment. I don't exist because I don't want people to know that we exist. Mm. We will be going out probably in the next couple of months to actually tell people that this is the type of work that we do. And I know that we're going to get incredibly mm. busy. So right now I'm probably building capacity. And I'll tell you now, it's been quite entertaining to be able to attract staff because they're leaving where they currently are because they want to work for a company that's actually making a difference and changing lives and helping businesses, mm. but they will not work in an accounting firm. So it's actually been a really interesting couple of months for me. I bet. We're building this up. I would appreciate it if other accountants started doing the work that we do mm. because then there's less for me to do. <laughs> so, you know, happy to help and spread the word <laughs> if anyone wants to learn it. But yeah, it is looking really bright and shiny with the work we're we're doing. And with the the way that many people's lives are going and maybe the economy is going as well, potentially, do you think accountants are going to have to be doing more and more of, of your work, of your type of work in the future? I would like to think that they would willingly do it. Um, 
last year we had two clients attempt suicide. We had two clients go into drug and alcohol rehab. And unfortunately, we had one client who did pass away due to stress. Mm. The work that we do is actually really impactful. If there were more people like me doing this type of work, we were actually changing lives and making people feel like they're supported. And and we don't always get a good result. Like if if I can't fix a company, Mm. I'll take them out. Like we will liquidate those companies. But the whole thing is they say, thank you so much for being there and supporting us through this process. Mm. That's what we should be doing. This is about support. This is about getting to know our clients, helping them to achieve. It is very much around there needs to be more of us. Mm. I can't do it all. And there are so many accountants out there that are doing it. They're just not marketing that they are. Absolutely. I think you're you're very much leading the way, Haley, in uh, in more ways than one. I think in terms of the work that you do, the message that you give, the impact that you have, the lives that you change, both on the client side and within the accounting industry as well. And a huge, huge thank you to you for your openness and your honesty in, in sharing all of your story. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I know all of the listeners will as well. But Haley, before we finish, we obviously have the one final secret question now this is the tradition here on make it count where one of the previous guests gets to ask a question of the current guest which is you so are you ready for your secret question (laughs) i don't know if i am but okay let's give it a shot well this is is secret to me as well so i need to um to pull it up (laughs) so i'll give the preamble to this question so the person who asked this question says I usually like to be positive, but I also believe that success is a terrible teacher. So that sets the scene. Your secret question, Haley, is in your line of work, what is the thing that upsets or disappoints you the most? Cheerful one. <laughs> oh, that is so cheerful. What a lovely way to end the podcast on. I think what upsets me the most is when people just cannot see the our future ahead of them, Mm. that they're so deep in the hole that to get them to actually start thinking about what life could actually be like Mm. um, is actually really quite challenging because we've got to work twice as hard to be able to get them. And and to be honest, Zero XOP program, the the free counselling, is my best friend. Mm. And I use that one constantly because I'm not a counsellor and sometimes we do come across business owners that are actually so damaged that our job is so much harder, Mm. but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Definitely not. And, you know, it upsets me because how did we let these people get to this stage? Mm. Why wasn't there support beforehand type thing? I totally agree. And and I'll I'll add my own... um... Uh, appendix to that question so we will finish on, on a positive note and what what do you think we could all do a little what, what's a positive thing that we could all do to help either other clients or other accountants to avoid falling into this situation my whole thing and it's and it's actually quite funny because i had um, meetings with clients the other day and they kept going on and they said hayley you're always banging on about us having a holiday like where is this holiday thing coming from but you need to recharge. You need to step out of your business. You need to actually go back and have time with family and do that type of stuff. Mm. If we as accountants are not having holidays and not actually stepping away from our business, then our clients won't actually see us being good role models. So 
at some point we need to put ourselves first. We need to have a holiday and we need to start again, you know, go and get recharged, recharge your battery pack, put the oxygen mask on yourself and then come back in and save the world. Definitely. I love that. Saving the world. What a amazing place to finish. Hayley, thank you so much. This has been such a powerful, inspirational and an informative conversation. If anyone wants to reach out to you, if anyone wants to, to, to get in touch with you or potentially find out more about your business, how do they find you? Um, they can actually just email me at Hayley at accountable.co.nz um, or you know, find me on LinkedIn. Generally, I like to hang out there and meet really cool people. And I think I have met quite a few accountants through LinkedIn and we tend to catch up. So even if you're in the UK, happy to chew, chew the fat because we can all learn from each other. Definitely. I think you're going to have many, many LinkedIn requests coming your way and uh, messages because that just highlights the amazing work that you do. Hayley, it's been a pleasure to have you here on Make It Count. I'm off for a holiday now because you told me to. Uh, that was the best thing to do. So um, so I'm out of here. But, um, but it's been a pleasure. We have to continue this conversation in, uh, in a part two in the future. But again, a huge thank you for, for all of the work that you do and, uh, and all the lives that you change. It really is a truly amazing thing. So thank you for being part of Make It Count. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.